Hello, friends. We are not confirmed not on a flight to Toronto. Brandon and Dave Brown here on Locked on Twins. And we're going to talk ourselves through kind of an updating of how we feel this offseason is going to go. We'll get a rough draft going with our friend Dave. But again, we are not on the flight to Toronto. In fact, we are Locked on Twins. You are Locked on Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, hey, what do you say? Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. I'm your host, Brandon Warren, and you can unfollow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E-N. Joining me as always, our great friend Dave Brown at Answer Dave Brown on the X. What's up? Hi, Brandon. I was thinking about the last time I was on a plane. I oh, I don't think I've ever been on a plane to Toronto. I've been on a plane from it. But in 1990, we drove in. We had a, a kind of a hybrid trip. We drove into Canada. I want to say, but I remember flying out of Toronto, and nobody cared because I wasn't a, a huge free agent. Well, 18 years old. Was 1990 the year Cecil Fielder hit all those home runs for the Blue Jays, or was that 90, 1992? No, it's 90, because 92, the yeah. DH would have been uh, Dave Winfield. Or Paul Molitor. No. Dave Winfield in 92, and then Paul Molitor after. That's because Winfield went to Minnesota. Uh, that was the year, though, that, yeah, Cecil, didn't he just go nuts up in Toronto? Yeah, he did. Uh, was it 90, or was he still? No, I think 89. 89 was the year he came back, wasn't it? And he was huge for the first time. You know, I, I didn't prepare for this, Brandon. I want to know my Cecil Fielder history, but. No, I, I missed it. 1990, he hit 51 homers, but for Detroit. Right, so yeah. That was, was his, his big U.S. return. He had left Toronto before you got there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Unrelated. Fred McGriff were around at the same time. That was amazing. And then they didn't know what to do with either of them. Yeah. Yeah, how, how do you like that for a, a couple of great players next to each other that you can't figure out? So they get rid of both of them. Um, anyway, again, thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, also on YouTube. And, of course, as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. We love our active listeners, the thumbs up in the comments. I see you, uh, Mr. Thumbs Up in the comments, and I appreciate you. Um, but, yeah, hit the subscribe button. Five-star reviews are huge for us on iTunes. At feeds the algorithm that we have no idea what actually it does. Uh, today's show brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Is a $150, and all you have to have is your team win. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Uh, Dave, this is not locked on Toronto, and we are not locked in a flight to Toronto, but neither was Shohei. Shohei, I always say Shohei. We got to fix that. Uh, Shohei Otani. Yeah, I do. It's it's really dumb. Huh. Um, Shohei Otani was not on the flight to Toronto. In fact, it was a person we all know very well. Uh, one of the guys from Shark Tank. So I don't um, like that show, but yeah, I know who it is. Yes. No, I know. I I I mean, you don't like that show because A Rod's on it, right? Oh, right. Well, I just don't like their smarmy attitude. I just, 
you know, they, I'm sure they're, they're very, uh, they're very wealthy, but other than that, they don't have anything going for them. Those personalities. Well, and Minnesotans like us, we're like one of us, one of us for A-Rod because he's part owner of the Timberwolves now. You know, it's right. um, it's uh, not not the Canadian guy, one of us, because, you know, we're uh, Canada yeah, South. Canada, yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, uh, it just uh, the Otani situation that unfolded yesterday, I don't necessarily want to talk to you about specific people involved but the journalistic practices therein. Because I think what a lot of people don't understand about the role of a reporter, a role <coughs> yes. filled capably, and I have filled replacement levelly. Um, the fact that it was presented as sources, multiple to me, is problematic because that means multiple people either fed incorrect information or liberty was taken with the concept of source versus sources. Um, you know, I know the old adages, multiple sources, you want to have at least two or three. And in today's age, I don't know that that really exists, but as far as how this was handled journalistically, and I mean, at large, not anyone specifically, you know, what were your gripes? Well, it's one of those situations where we don't, we being you and I, the public at large, we don't know exactly what happened. It wasn't a situation where there there was a reporter who you know people trusted. Yep. Uh, who said Otani is on this plane? He obviously got this reporter got bad information. Now, some people wonder, well, was he like making it up? I don't. I don't think so. I know that, that that happens sometimes. Yeah. I know the reporter a little bit. We're, we're not good friends. It's it's hard to imagine that he would make it up. I, I mean, I choose to believe that he was lied to or it was a lie or it was a mistake or something. And he went with it. And <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's hard to believe that, like, two people lied to him. So he did say sources tell him. And it's just, it's hard to believe that they were both wrong. Right. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's, it just doesn't look good. People are, are cynical and they're not going to, they're going to think he's just doing it for clicks. And, you know, it isn't so, so far fetched that I wouldn't believe that. And that, that part troubles me and it kind of hurts my feelings a little bit because that all makes journalism look uh, less, uh, have less integrity than, than people even think it already is lost. So uh, that's kind of a sad part of it for me. Uh, well, so I, I sort of look at it a little bit, not only from the outside, like everyone else wondering where Otani's going, but from the inside as somebody who, you know, would like to think that they wouldn't make up a story like that or be um, sort of led astray into announcing it. Uh, obviously, uh, he, he made a huge mistake. And uh, I, some of it, you know, it was a kind of a fun thing, though, until... Other than putting that in perspective, I think it was kind of fun to think that Otani might have been on this plane and people were watching it sort of like, uh, you know, those college football uh, moments where, you know, yep. what, what coach is on the plane. That's what it reminded me of. Like, oh, is the guy going to go to Georgia or Mississippi State or whatever? Um, but it was it's troubling to me that either this person made it up or was led astray. I can't I just I can't imagine that it was two people telling them that it was right. 
Otani on the plane. One person, I could believe that. And then, like you said, reporters are supposed to have a, a source and then at least one more confirming it. You didn't get that. Right. So it's kind of troubling. You know, I'm, I'm a little inside baseball right now on, on my feelings because it's really sort of disappointing that it came to that from somebody like that. You know, it's well, not one of these kind of vague, uh, faceless Twitter accounts that sometimes get things right. Uh, and they'll be dorks. Exactly. Not, Something not on really. Reddit or somebody like that uh, with a funny uh, name that, you know, you don't want your six-year-old to repeat. You know, that's yeah. one thing, but this is a person who works for MLB Network, and I'm just yeah. kind of bummed about the whole thing there. So, you well, know, I don't want to bring you down a little bit, but no, no, it, no, no, it no. is, yeah. Well, before we head into break, and this isn't locked on sports writing, but um, can you help convey why people who are classically trained in journalism are so fiercely protective of it? Because here's the deal. I've had situations where liberties have been taken with my work and people have accused me of being petty over it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. For a creative person, that's their license. Now you take into consideration, like if you're a journalist or a classically trained journalist, you believe in the truth, you believe in chasing the truth. And so anytime that someone in that arena blurs those lines, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It, it's not as it's not as simple as, oh, it's no big deal. Something happened. Like, right. That's why we take it more seriously. And I think maybe people don't understand the the seriousness with which people who have journalism backgrounds take these sorts of things. Well, I think one the one thing about the whole process that people forget or don't realize in the first place with sources is that you know, even if it's kind of minor stuff and you say, well, sources tell me that this person is signing with the twins today. Um, That'd be nice. It would, yeah. I'm, I use that as an example, as an optimistic example that, that it'll happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, let's, let's use Brandon as an example. Let's say he's got a couple of sources who talk to him about things and that would be nice. him something's going to happen with the twins. Um, you know, the reason that he wants to protect the identity of those sources is so that people don't work backward and figure out who the source is because maybe he's talked to them mm. on other occasions and it's been not anonymous. So yeah. he, he he wants those sources' names to be protected so they feel comfortable giving, them, giving him information about things that are going to happen. Um, and it's important to keep their anonymity there so they can continue to function at work and do mm -hmm. all their other things uh, if they're in an organization or whatever that um, uh, so they don't have to worry about their bosses realizing that they're talking to the media off the record about things. So it's yeah. uh, for, for everybody to continue in their jobs. Normally we want to keep those sources private Um so I yeah I don't I don't agree with people who who think that anybody saying sources is bad. I don't think it is. Right. Right. And right. so that's that's sort of step 1. And the other thing is um you know when, when if Brandon were to go out on a limb and say uh, my I have two sources and they're telling me the Twins are going to make a trade for this player and then it yeah. doesn't happen uh that makes Brandon really look like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's uh that's not what any journalist wants that you lose their credibility, 
you probably eventually lose your job. Um, yeah. and, and the fans lose a, a conduit to, you know, what's going on in the world. Um, you know, it, it's very, it's very useful to have for, for major league baseball as an industry to have people giving information about what's going on behind the scenes, because they're not going to tell us everything. Yeah. Uh, the, the teams, uh, I mean, for lack of whatever, they, they lie to us a lot for their mm-hmm. own benefit. And that's in a way fine for them because they have to play their baseball games and, do things that way. And the press is supposed to be uh, kind of a, a way to get at the truth. And sometimes the only way to do that is to do it in secret. Yeah. So it's a uh, kind of funny contradiction, paradoxical world, but when it works, I think it's good for the fans. And yeah. then when it doesn't, and when we have something like this happen, uh, especially with a, with a person who's not really uh, given in the past to making outrageous claims, it's kind of hurtful on all fronts and when we're, and we're not better off for it, what ended up happening here with Otani. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to come back. We're going to um, talk about your ideas. You've kind of had time to get the lay of the land, what you think the twins need to address. I'll kind of uh, move along too, because I have obviously adjusted my expectations with the idea that, uh, well, some of the guys I wanted have signed so on and so forth, but we'll go through all that here in just a second, but first a word from our friends at FanDuel. So as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than now to get in on the action. The app is incredibly, incredibly easy to use. And there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, overs and unders, player props, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. Again, you can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. So just $150 bucks in, uh, in bonus bets if your team wins. FanDuel.com slash on. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. All right, answer Dave Brown. We are into the bullpen and uh lots of lots of things going on not Shohei Otani related. Lots of things going on. John Morosi tweeting uh how's that for a segue? Um Jorge, <laughs> Jorge Polanco drawing interest in the last week. Um a lot of dots being connected in the sense that twins flush with middle infielders, at least near or MLB ready and in need of pitching. So you start kind of poking around Hey, maybe the Mariners want him. Maybe the, you know, there's, there's a number of different teams who could be interested in a guy who is making a reasonable amount of money. I think it's like 10 and a half million dollars for the final year of his deal after his option was exercised. Um, so it's, yeah, again, a good kind of, way for us to drift into discussing your ideas for what you would do. Now, let's go foundational. How much has your thought process about the 2024 Twins changed? Uh, let's say from when you first came on the show to now, uh, maybe even especially now knowing that the budget might be a little bit lower. Uh, we saw what the winter meetings look like. And I think to what matters is we've seen what other teams are doing. And while teams may say that doesn't matter to them, in some respects it does because they might take a guy they wanted. How have you kind of 
evolved on the Twins to this point. Well, I, I went in hopeful that it was a little bit of smoke that they were talking about. Uh, well, you know, we're not going to spend any more money and we're going to uh, maybe do things with trades. That's how they were at least uh, leaking things to reporters and so forth. That was kind of the way they were they were leaning. And I, I guess I've solidified a little bit, although there, there's lots of free agents available. You know, I'd love for them to just go out and spend money on Jordan Montgomery or, uh, or Reese Hoskins or somebody like that and stick them in the lineup and um, you know, not have to worry about it. Uh, it, it doesn't appear that that's going to happen, but I, I think I've solidified a little bit. I I've, I've, uh, come to terms with, we're just going to have to be patient for some of these trades. For example, you mentioned uh, Polanco being available to a team like Minnesota or, or I'm sorry, to a team like Seattle or, uh, Miami. Uh, and, you know, that's how the Twins are going to fill their their needs and shuffle things around. So I think it is uh, a resolve to be patient and, you know, also to just um, kind of come to terms with the fact that while it, it seemingly to me would make sense to go out and uh, bring in a free agent, even someone like Seth Lugo to be yep. in the rotation, it just doesn't seem like the Twins are of a mind to do that this offseason. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'd love to to even bring him in and he's he's still out there that's a guy that they could bring in but now we're looking closer at things like well what can you get back from the mariners what can you get back from the marlins you know can yeah. you send can you get trevor rogers uh i would think you could get trevor rogers for polanco or uh, get edward cabrera for uh polanco if you could get then, edward uh, for polanco i think i would do that yeah so i don't know if that is that the, the actual teams would do that right. but that's kind of what I'm thinking is next as far as a big deal for the twins. Uh, you know, where Polanco is going to go, we're going to go, we're going to figure that we're going to have Correa at shortstop and Royce Lewis at third and uh, Eduard Julian at second base. And, um, you know, and, and we'll see too what, where the, the lesser players, Farmer and so forth uh, go. I don't know if there's going to be a big return on that. I think that's probably going to be a cost savings thing where you get a prospect, but, uh, you know, Polanco is a guy as a chip where we're going to see something come back from the Mariners or, or Marlins that's going to be a frontline uh, pitcher or something else that the Twins need. Uh, so Aaron Gleeman came away from the meetings thinking the Twins were going to trade for a good starting pitcher. At least that's how I read what he said was like, yeah. it, they're not going to trade for the equivalent of Wade Miley. They're, they're Especially because there are Wade Miley's readily available uh as of a week ago now right. now long no longer true unless the cardinals sign all of them before the the, the time comes for it it well, seems like they're signing a bunch of wade miley's for their rotation but it's almost as problematic as the twins trevor tyler conundrum that you uncovered five <laughs> yeah. six years ago i think it was right. that's speaking of tyler duffy minor league contract with the royals so you can't escape this man <laughs> I. That's okay. You know, if all the Tylers are between Kansas City and, and Minnesota, I'll be happy. But, um, you know, it, all Tyler kidding aside, Tyler uh, – no, it's Trevor Rogers. See, you got me all confused. Did this happen? Tyler Malley. You can do Tyler Malley again. You can do an all-Tyler Trevor rotation, um, and then Trevor May, recently retired, could come in and be your uh, pitching coach. You know we're uh, we're joking heavily now, but don't say Tyler Malley around Twins fans. That's not. No, you're, it's not you're good. Not gonna, they're going to come at you with pitchforks. It's not good. 
They'll probably or, use the ride works or whatever. Um, anyway, we were talking about uh, training for a good starting pitcher and Jorge Polanco maybe. Um, would you do that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, I think Tre- I think Trevor Rogers coming back. I still say I, I think Edgar Cabrera maybe ha- maybe has a little bit more of a, of a higher ceiling, um, and Trevor Rogers maybe has the lower floor. I don't know. Uh, again, the situation the the situation here is clouded for me by the fact that I'm not sure exactly why these guys didn't reach their potential last year. Uh, Is it old injuries? Is it uh, newer injuries? So this is where the twins having scouts, at least the ones that they haven't let go, uh, can tell them, uh, tell them what the, what the update is on these, these guys they're trying to trade for. So, you know, you hopefully, I I don't know if people made more of a big deal out of that story than uh, they should have, but that's the kind of thing where, you know, when you're going to make these Polanco deals, you got to, and if you're getting a Trevor Rogers back or Edward Cabrera or one of those uh, Seattle dudes, uh, yep. you got to know where they stood toward the the end of last season. You know, do they, are they, are they on an upswing or not? Is there kind of an injury lurking in the background? So hopefully the twins have good intelligence. And I mean that in a CIA kind of way. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think What's most likely to happen on the pitching side is a trade for a good starter. Now, maybe not a starter who's as good today as they will be a year from now. But I think they're still going to probably go to the well with a free agent of, uh, you know, like if someone of a Andrew Heaney caliber was still available in February, you know, just like, a right. hey, let's see what this guy's got. Uh, kind of like what Chris Archer was a couple of years ago where it was like, he's probably done, but we'll see. Now, the problem is you can't rely on those guys, but I do think they're going to have their eyes set on someone like that. But I think that will pretty much round out the rotation. Um, now, as far as bullpen, are you making any moves where you're like, ah, I'm going to go? Because for me, unless you're getting like a Robert Stevenson, you know, someone that you, even though we'll probably have to pay a fair amount for, um, you still may not have seen the best of them or their right. peak. It's either going to be someone like that, and he's going to get a multi-year deal, so that's not happening. I guess I don't even know why I brought it up. Um, you're probably looking at someone like David Robertson, uh, you know, one-year deal. You'll pay the uh, the tax in the sense of, you know, you're going to have to pay a little extra to get him in on a one-year deal, but right. you'll probably not be upset that you did. And you, yeah, and you don't. Uh, if you're not worrying about future years, you're going to pay a little bit more for this year. Right. Yeah. To, Million, nine million. That's more than you probably want to give a reliever who's not going to be pitching the ninth inning exclusively. But you can stomach that when Joan Duran makes seven hundred k or whatever. You know, I, and I look at it like this. I think uh, a player that they that they lost that they don't have anymore. Uh, you know, from, from the bullpen. Um, and oh, he's he's slipping my mind, and I hope that it came to me. Uh, the middle reliever who just uh, left. Who? Uh, what's that? Emilio Pagan. Yeah, Emilio Pagan. I think the Reds overpaid for him. I yep. mean, uh, you know, I I, I don't want to get too, um, you know, analytical boy on it, but I think the aggressiveness on Emilio Pagan is kind of questionable. I think that's the kind of guy that uh, maybe you don't get him uh, based on what he did a year ago, but if you look at the body of his work, yeah. whoever this imaginary relief pitcher is that I'm thinking of, uh, 
you get him at some something of a bargain later in spring training, like you say. Maybe it's not David Robertson. Maybe it's a guy a, a little younger like Pagan. But I think the Twins have shown themselves uh, savvy enough to uh, be patient for deals on players like that. So when you're talking about what should the Twins add for the bullpen, you know, I don't think they're of a mind to spend a premium amount uh, on a reliever uh, in a multi-year deal. So it's going to be somebody like David Robertson, like you say. It might be somebody like Emilio Pagan, but you're not going to pay that huge amount. So that's a thing where we're going to have to be patient. You know, it's not going to be, bam, we got Lance Lynn. Bam, we got uh, Kyle Gibson, like the, the Cardinals yeah. did. It's going to have to be – that. those are the things that are going to be filled uh, as we get closer to March. So uh, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Aaron Gleeman saying – being of a mind that the twins are going to be aggressive with the trade. I think that's, I think that's where we're going to see something relatively soon. Uh, the other moves I think are going to be something where we're going to have to be patient on them. And so it's going to be like every week on locked on twins. Well, they've done anything yet. Well, just yeah. one more week and then maybe something will break. So um, it, it gives us something more to talk about, even if it's the same thing every time. And Jorge Lopez, by the way, former twin signing with the Mets one year deal. For a couple million bucks. It'll be interesting to see if they can make something happen there. Um, I think Jose, he's they're excited to see have him work with uh Jose Rosado, which I think is the former Royals pitcher, if I'm not mistaken. The left-handed uh, relief or left-handed starter. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So he's on the coaching staff over there. So we'll see how okay. that goes. Hoping for the best for him. Let's swing over to the position player side for the next slash last few minutes. Um, by the way, Nick Senzel signing with the Nets. So another player with the Nationals uh, going to get some opportunities. Could have been of interest to the Twins. But again, we're talking about all the the infielders the Twins have. Well, Senzel. that's a good – Senzel's a good player. You know, I know you liked him, but that's a good Candelario-ish like signing for Washington. They want a guy uh, yep. to bounce back. Or but I want to bring up Candelario, by the way. The Reds signing him was surprising as well. Yeah, the Reds are doing some – I think I've seen a criticism of it. Like, well, you know, I'd rather that they, the, the criticism was, I'd rather the Reds sign like a $20 million pitcher. And I, I would kind of agree with that. I think rather than the, the, the depth pieces that they've added, uh, yeah. I don't know if that is going to serve them, you know, kind of, kind of like how I feel about how, what the, the, the twins really should do. The, the problem with the, with that is it's not just $25 million. It's like $25 yeah. million over three years or four years. Um, well, and I think, um, I think, it may speak to the fact that the Reds probably want to see less and less defensively of Spencer Steer and Christian Encarnacion Strand, former Twins prospects who are bat first guys. Well, they can't freeze them both out. Somebody's going to, I mean, there are two DHs right. in the National League now. So, I mean, maybe you put Spencer Steer out in left field and, and hope the ball doesn't get out there. Uh, and then you have the DH spot, but, you know, then you got Joey, what's, is Joey Votto coming back? I don't, that hasn't been settled yet. So, Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's something to what you're saying. They're trying to minimize the downside of of these prospects that they've added from the Twins. But um, yeah. I, I still say that it might be better to, uh, you know, spend a little bit more money on a frontline guy rather than a depth piece. But, you know, Senzel's going to be good. Uh, yep. to buy, I think he's probably going to have a nice little short peak of a of a career and the, the maybe uh, Washington will will get the you know that. But that's a the Twins don't need to take a chance on that so much. They need a little bit more of a sure thing. Uh, if they're going to take a chance on a pitcher, uh, maybe that's different. Somebody who can um, like, like Lopez sort of find himself and be his, his biggest self 
with the Twins. I think they're they're kind of looking at that, you know, getting back to uh, uh, what they want to deal Polanco for. I think they want like a little mini uh, Lopez, Pablo Lopez bounce out of the guy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think, too, like Senzel, when you look at what the Twins need and all that, like what does he give you? Or like his peak is maybe what Kyle Farmer's best peak is as well. Like he he'll give you a similar value. Now, granted, you know Kyle Farmer's not playing much if at all in the outfield. Senzel is, but it was just kind of like you don't need to stockpile those guys. You can go find them at different times. Good for the Nationals if he breaks out, but the Twins, you know, it's just not a great fit where he wants an opportunity and a fresh start, and a team right. wants from six hundred plate appearances, right? That's not here. So it, as much as we want to connect the dots, it just it, it was not probably going to be his preferred destination. The Twins have somebody like Willie Castro, who they got last year. I mean, that's you know that kind of offensive breakthrough is sort of what the what Washington and Senzel are going to be hoping for. Yeah. But um, you know, at the same time, the Twins already have people kind Nick of like Gordon. that, and maybe can get more like that. So yeah, um, Nick Gordon. Um, if if they yeah. bring back Solano, if they keep Farmer, like. It's it's nice to want to get players who are going to get better, but you sometimes we lose sight of the fact that there's 40 man rosters and options and all that stuff. And yeah, you want to load up on post hype guys who could become good for cheap, but you you know you can't build an entire cake out of frosting. For wow, you know, that sounds yummy, but you're right, you can't do it because you know you're gonna the, the, you're gonna load up on the carbs and then you'll be dead. Friendly would not approve. You know, I still feel like there are some, and there's still some veteran type dudes, Eduardo Escobar, Gio Urshela. I mean, he's not, we'll see about his health, but you know, there, yeah. there are players like that you can bring in who have a track record if you feel like they're going to be able to bounce back in free agency. And, and uh, good in the clubhouse besides, like sure. Solano a year ago, it was like, nobody's going to be upset that Donovan Solano's on this team. This is another case where we're going to have to be patient because most of the free agents haven't signed yet. You know, uh, Larry Garcia just Larry Garcia just signed with the Braves, so he's out. I think that that, that probably doesn't bother anybody. Was he yeah. in? I don't think he was ever in. That's true. What, what I called Donovan Solano last year, and I don't know if I ever explained this to you, was um, so the scene at the end of Billy Madison where Steve Buscemi shoots a dart in the guy or whatever is his backside, and Adam Sandler looks at the camera, and it's almost kind of a funny cut scene, like they filmed it months later with how awkward the cut is, but he goes. Man, I'm glad I called that guy. Donovan Solano was the man I'm glad I called that guy player last year. Because when he signed in, I think it was February, everyone's like, what? You got Nick Gordon. You got uh, you're, you already have extra infielders. And then Nick Gordon stinks and gets hurt. Right. And didn't know what, uh, you know, never knew that Willie Castro was going to become, uh, you know, a, a demigod. But um yeah, it ended up being like, man, I'm glad I called that guy. I think that's who we're talking about this offseason with Eduardo Escobar, Gio Urshela. Um, that's the kind of guy I think that the offense is going to be predicated upon. I think, you know, you want a Reese Hoskins or the idea of a, a, a standalone first baseman. But I think what we're going to keep coming back to is positional versatile guys who – may or may not make a ton of money or a Thai France that you can trade for because Jerry DePoto um, had, likes to play hot potato with his roster. <laughs> for sure. So yeah. uh, there, there's still 
you know, we talked about like what free uh, additional free agent pitchers are available. You could you could go after Giolito, you could yep. go after Lugo, um, you could go after uh, Sean Manaya, you could maybe yep. try and take a bounce back on Frankie Montas. I you would. Know, there's still options like that available, and there's still the the thing that there, there's all kind. What what the the winter meetings did, if nothing for, um, or very little for, uh, giving us instant gratification. Yeah. This it's where another function of them. It's where a lot of the groundwork is laid. You get to meet the other guy in person, the other GM, the trade negotiator in person, and mm-hmm. you uh, you set the stage for what eventually becomes a deal later. It's just yeah. not something that happened last week. So, right. uh, you know, we could be closer to uh, fruition on uh, other ideas that the Twins have been working on. You know, that's why maybe the, something with the, the, the Marlins might happen now because they've met in person. They've got a better idea. They've got like parameters of what the other side's willing to expect in mm-hmm. a trade. So I think mm-hmm. something is going to break pretty soon. Good. Well, we'll, we'll be here to re- recap it for you. Um, come hang out with us every day and we love having you. But for Dave Brown at Answer Dave Brown on X, this is Brandon Warren signing off and saying thank you so much for hanging out with us on Locked on Twins. And we'll see you tomorrow night.